Hola, my name is Lucia Diaz. I'm the host of the Art of Representation podcast. The focus of this podcast is to make sure that Latinas see themselves in the world, feel represented and celebrated. I'm super excited to interview the, some of the most incredible Latina leaders within our community. Uh, we're gonna find out about their journey, how they got to where they are, and most importantly, how we can get there as well. So tune in. Uh, hola, hola, hola. Welcome back to another episode of the Art of Representation. I'm here with a queen, Alyssa. I am so excited for this interview. I'm so inspired by her. Um, she's touched my family with the, the books that she's wrote. Uh, specifically, I always try to make sure that my nephews remember that they are Latin American, that they're Colombian, that they speak Spanish. And I just want to say, first of all, thank you for doing that. Thank you for giving our community books that are so needed within, you know, just, you know, not, I remember growing up and wishing I had your books. And so with that, Alyssa, uh, muchísimas gracias for being here. My name is Sandra Lucia Diaz. I am the host of the Art of Representation podcast, and I'm super excited um, not only to be an illustrator and artist, but also now a podcaster that dives into these stories of Latinas that are out there doing the thing that a lot of us dream about. So, Alyssa, bienvenida. Muchas gracias. Thank you for being here. Yes. Oh my gosh. I am so honored to be on your podcast. You came in swinging girlfriend with heavy hitters like Luz and Pam, like Oh my gosh, in such good company, super excited. My name is Alisa Reynoso Morris, and I am a children's book author and speaker. I wear other hats. I'm also a mom and a community organizer. In my previous life, I was building water purification systems in foreign countries. I was organizing service trips. I functioned as a medical translator. I've done a lot of things, um, but I'm so, I feel so fortunate to be able to make seven-year-old Alyssa's dream come true. I always wanted to be an author since I was seven. I actually still have that first book I wrote when I was seven and I share it during school visits and everyone's like, like the kids get really excited and the, the teachers get super excited. Um, I'm so glad my mom kept it all these years. And, you know, now I get to do the thing that I wanted when I was a little girl and specifically from the lens of a black Latina. Um, I'm Dominican and Puerto Rican with BX roots currently live in Philadelphia home of the Lenape, and my first book that came out this past April is called Platanos Are Love, and then my next book is called The Bronx Is My Home. My third book is called Gloriana Presente, a first day of school book. That one comes out in 2024, and I have more that are in the works. Um, but I just can't talk about them yet. It's not public information. But let your, by the time some people listen to this, who knows? I might be at like five books or something. So, mama, mama. I will say I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you, and I just feel like 
there's so many of us that have a similar dream. Like, I want to be a children's book illustrator. And I got you. you know, we I just... got you, boo. <laughs> Thank you, boo. But I just, honestly, you don't see a lot of us. You don't see Latinas. You don't see Afro-Latinas. Like, you know, and I remember the day. I actually remember the day. I walked into Barnes & Noble and I saw your book. And I just, I looked at the cover. I was like, oh my god they're talking about black girls <laughs> wait what and then it's just honestly i just flipped the fuck out because i'm like excuse me like why don't we have a whole section of just Alyssa's books so i'm i'm happy that the, the books are coming and my, my my nephew's library my library is gonna keep growing um so just know that the moment I saw your book, I felt so seen and represented because I grew up eating platanos like my Every whole life. Day. And yep, so yep. and you know, my dad likes maludos, you know, there's controversy in the family. There's controversy because I like those donuts, he likes maludos. But anyway, I just want to say thank you for being that representation in the children's book market that is needed. I, you know, I know I remember you know, growing up and not seeing, like, in scholastic fairs, like, not seeing any Latino books, always seeing the same, like, the Babysitter's Club, the Goosebumps, and all that stuff, and I was just like, where are we at, though? Like, where is my people? Like, where are the books in Spanish? Where are the bilingual books? Where are the books that talk about my heritage, that talk about who I am as a person, what I eat, what I do, and where is that celebration? Where is that representation? And so, I remember um, just being at a We All Grow Latina like kind of like workshop and I saw you and then I saw your book and I was like, I just literally fangirled. I was like, oh my God, I bought this book for my nephews. And and I was just so impressed by your journey and, and you talking about how you have a, you know, the book that you wrote at when you were seven. I'm like, man, I have things like that in my, in my parents' house and I definitely need to dig and really dig through uh, my stuff, but um, let's just get started. Like, how did you grow up? Let's go back to baby Alyssa. Like, who who were you? Like, like just I want to go back to that seven year old writing the book, diciendo yo voy a ser author. I don't care. I'm gonna do it. I don't see it, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be the Mamo, Yes, but before I share that, I'm just gonna say this here. Whenever you're ready. Any questions you have about illustration, let me know. I also have like illustrator friends that I can like put you in touch with and stuff. So um, keep that dream that. alive. I know you are multi-hyphenate, super talented, doing all the things. Um, and it is a long journey to publication, but whenever you're ready, in that direction, because I know you have a lot going on, um, just consider me a forever resource okay someone someone like, now like you know no. <laughs> I can see them whenever you have a pre-order I'm, I'm there you. like take my card like I'm gonna throw all my cards at you <laughs> I'm gonna have multiple multiple aliases and names you're like who are all these people <laughs> it's just me <laughs> but let's um let, let yeah let's thank you for that yeah. I appreciate that um but let's get into like who you were as a seven-year-old writing that first book what what was going through your mind who inspired you what did your parents think about this dream yeah so seven-year-old Alyssa was actually struggling to learn how to read 
and struggling to learn how to write. Um, Spanish is my first language. So I only spoke Spanish at home with my mom and my my grandma. Um, I'm the oldest of three. And so at seven, I did have a little sister named Kayla and she got on my nerves, you know. Um, so I would hide in my little like I made like a little club for myself in like the corner of a room that I shared with her and my grandma. And I would go and I would look at the pictures in a book right and I had memorized a decent amount of sight words to kind of understand what the story was about and I just remember like falling in love with books like the way they felt the way they smelled the illustrations even though I couldn't quite read the words right um and then it came a point when my mom was studying to like studying English. She wanted to be, Mm -hmm. she was torn between social work and being a teacher. So she was getting her like taking classes. And so we actually started learning English together. That's so beautiful. And one of the exercises that we did was we wrote this book together and it's called a good writer. And in the book, I wrote that one day I I was the author illustrator. I'm not the I'm not an illustrator, but I was for this one. <laughs> and in it, I wrote that one day I'm gonna be an author because writing is like magic. And when I make books, I feel like I can do anything. And you know, I really manifested that one day I was going to be an author and then I was going to give away my books to kids and that's happening I'm working with nonprofits. I'm like pairing them with corporate corporations that are reaching out to me and having them like donate my book to schools title one schools like the one that I went to um because I didn't get to meet an author until I was an adult right so it was seven-year-old Alyssa was always curious she was struggling to learn how to read because her school was a title one under-resourced school we didn't have the appropriate resources to teach me we didn't have like ESL and L English language learner resources and I think that did inspire my mom because now she's a oh she's been a L teacher for years now Um, she saw little Alyssa's that were really smart, that, you know, excelled in math, that, you know, excelled in science, and that were curious and eager to learn, but didn't have the appropriate resources. Um, and so we wrote that book together. And I'm so glad that she kept it, because now it's like my constant reminder and my motivation, like, sigue, palante, keep going, because you know, there might be a, a reluctant reader that is struggling to connect with the books that they're being assigned in school. And then they might pick up my book and be like, you know, I want to I wanna learn how to read this book because la abuela looks like my abuela or because I love eating platanos or, you know, because the the character has big hair like me, you know? So yeah, it's, it, it, it's been a journey, right? Like from 
being uh, unable to read until really fourth grade to now being a traditionally published author with multiple books. It has been a journey, but I'm so grateful. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I could, I love it. And I could resonate with you 1000%. Uh, Spanish is my first language. I grew up in a very poor area in Miami called Carroll City, now called Miami Gardens in the ghetto. And our school, their books were taped together because they just didn't invest in Title I schools. And, and they still um, don't, unfortunately. I, and they still don't. They still don't. And like that, it like it breaks my heart. It really does break my heart because I remember being that little girl that didn't understand the words in in English because I'm thinking in Spanish like in my head I'm thinking wait this doesn't ah this doesn't compute but I was so fascinated by science and history and art um and I just I struggled a lot with English and I still like I could say that I still kind of struggle a little bit like writing like I do misspell things um but it's really just that burden of not having the support and not having the people there that could really kind of get you to that next level. Maybe someone that is bilingual that could connect the dots for you. And my mom, she did everything in her power to take us to the library. I remember getting my first library like card when I was like eight. I was so excited. And she would take us to like the nice part of town, like Miami Lakes, which was like across the highway. And we were just, she would literally was like asking for everything. She's like, do you have audiobooks? Do you have books in Spanish? Do you have, like, she would try to even order books. Like, and this is a woman that didn't even get to finish high wow. school because of the situation that happened in Colombia of, you know, the pretty much the war, the, the civil war that they had there. So a lot of this was her like saying no. I'm going to teach you how to speak Spanish and then we're going to find some resources for you because she didn't, it was not acceptable to her. She just felt like there's just no way you can, we could live and not have the same resources and maybe as other communities um, that are not of color. And so again, when I saw your book, it like, I was like, man, if I had this book when I was eight years old, forget about it. Cause I have, you know, for me, I have most of my friends growing up, they were Afro-Latina and Black. Like, I lived in a primarily, predominantly, like, area where there was a lot of Cubans, Puerto Ricans, and, and, and Black people. And, it, and to me, it was just the mixture of not even seeing them represented, not seeing wavy hair or curly hair. It was always a certain type of person in these storybooks. And I was just, like, bored. I was like, ah, I don't see myself, so I don't, I don't want to apply myself. And so the work that you do is so extraordinary because you're touching so many people's lives that you don't even know, like, you don't even know, like, how much that means to them to see their curly hair, to see the abuela that looks like their abuela, to see their food that they consume on a daily, like, if you didn't have tostones every day, then are you Latino? Are you Hispanic? Like, right. let's, <laughs> let's, let's be serious about that. Um, but. Um, like I said, like, I really love that you, you know, thank you for your vulnerability, too, because not a lot of us share that. Not a lot of us share our struggles when we're, you know, growing up and, you know, 
for me, I, I even have even been tutored by my brother in math. Like my brother, he he was just a genius. Like he came up and he learned how to read and write and do was everything. He a brother? I was just like my little yeah. brother. Yeah, my younger brother, Alexander. I Gilles. think younger younger siblings have a step up though, because that was kind of similar with my sister, my brother. Like they were there's they were super smart but they also had a model right like they saw me studying they saw me carving out time to do these things and so where i had to like learn everything from scratch you know like they had a little bit of a template you know obviously they were their own people they had to forge their own identity and you know there were they still had their own struggles not to delegitimize that at all but yeah you know, by the time like my brother came out, for example, we're 10 years apart. I was, mm. I was 10 years older than him. So, you know, like I was helping him with his homework. I was mm-hmm. tucking him into bed. I was reading to him. No one. Read- La segunda, mama. Yeah. I was like mom number two, you know, and like no one read to me before I went to bed because my mom was working and going to school. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. not that she, she, my mom killed it like she has three kids we all went to school all educated my sister's a social worker my brother's in real estate like we all did the thing she put us all three of us through college she did the thing as a single mom I do not know how she did it but as a single mom you know she she couldn't stay up and read to me when I was doing my homework I had to go to my neighbor's house to help me with my homework so it's those things that like my siblings didn't have to do because I was there. So give yourself yeah. some credit. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I mean, I think we mutually learned from each other. Like me and right. my brother were like, okay, you're not so hot in this, but you're hot in that. So like we'll figure out ways to kind of trade things. Cause like he honestly, I'm so proud of him. Like Aww. he went further than I did because like, he had, like you said, he had a runway. I was like that first person in my family to go to college, to graduate high school, to get a corporate job and, and all these things. So I don't know why I'm getting emotional. It's, it's just stuff, you know, like. Those struggles are hard. Like struggling and being the first and having to kind of be the mom, pave the way and not understand like there's so much more of our childhood that we didn't get the opportunity to, to live. not have a childhood. Oh. No. But tell me a little bit more about your, like, okay, you're, you know, you and your mom write this book. Now you're in school. You're in middle school and high school. You're growing. You're, like, really learning how to, like, come into your own. Because you have a, we got a lot to talk about. We have so many things we have to talk about when it comes to, the service trips, because I've done service trips to Colombia as well. Oh, cool. um, so we have that. that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that juicy <laughs> details in a little bit. Um, but tell me, like, okay, now you're you're in college. Let's t- t- talk to me about, like, your journey about how your mom perceived you as saying, okay, I'm going to be an author. Was she supportive? My mom was. My dad, not so much. So tell me a little bit more about that that journey. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like every immigrant story growing up, your options are doctor, lawyer, lawyer. teacher. Mm-hmm. 
engineer wasn't even an option because we didn't know about engineers. Um, And it was, you know, growing up, I loved science. I was really good at science. Biology was my jam. We could talk about mitochondria and photosynthesis, all that stuff all day long. All day. day. Fatal. Here's the catch. I can't do blood. I'm like too empathetic. Whenever I see someone with a cut, I'm always like, I, te duele. Oh, are you okay? Like, you do not want me as your doctor because I cannot stay calm because I am too busy being like, oh my God, ah, there's a lot of blood. Oh my God. You know, like, it's just, it's not a good look. I guess you, I feel you. And, you know, had there been more exposure, you know, I could have come across other career options in STEM, like being a, you know, occupational therapist or a physical therapist. You're not really dealing with blood in those situations. Um, maybe I could have been like, a researcher working in a lab, like dissecting the human genome and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but I didn't know. So because I was like, I can't be a doctor. I guess I'm going to be a lawyer. So I went down that path. I was actually a political science major in school. And that was also deeply rooted in my relationship with my grandmother. My grandmother is Dominican. She grew up under the reign of Trujillo. She immigrated from DR to Puerto Rico and then to the U.S. And growing up, she was always the one who was like, go out and vote. You have to vote. Like on election night, if you didn't go vote and you didn't have your sticker or your your stamp, you weren't allowed to eat dinner that day. Go back out and go vote. She's like, where's the sticker? I ain't gonna give you no free exactly. if you don't got this. Oh, go back. You want your <laughs> pernil? Bete pa ya. Nope. You know, like it was. So she was the one, even on her deathbed, she died mm-hmm. the day after Obama was elected. Oh my she held out. And, yeah. you know, I was there and I was holding her hand. I was in my freshman year of college, my first semester. And. I told her, like, we did it. We did it. And she didn't, she couldn't talk at that point. She was, you know, she was dying. Um, but she was able to squeeze my hand. And so I knew that she, that she heard. So for me, I was like, I'm going to be a, a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer because yeah. that was my other option. And ultimately what I realized was I want to advocate for people. Right. Like I want to uplift my community. I want to be their voice. Um, And then when I graduated college, I started looking into applying for law school, but I couldn't afford it. And so it helped me like really like it was a time of a lot of examination and um, really like I was very frustrated because of my socioeconomic status. Like I had multiple scholarships to help me pay for for undergrad, which is why I was able to do it. But it was a lot harder to get scholarships for law school. And so it was one of these things where I felt like, what am I going to do? Like the thing that I've been trying to reach my whole life is like falling apart because I don't have money. Mm -hmm. Um, But what it did is it gave me a gift to self-examine and really evaluate why is it that I want to be a lawyer? And so I went the nonprofit route. I 
that's how the service learning trips happen. That's how the work overseas happened. And it was really amazing just to create these opportunities where there weren't any, you know, like all I had was my bachelor's and I'm out there running programs, <laughs> you know, um, and it was just really, but you're, but you're a leader. That's why, like, you're such a born leader, just like your grandma was like, I could, I could totally relate to that because my grandfather, Jose Manuel Arias was a campesino in Colombia. He grew coffee, but he took care of the community. He's like, you saw people in need. He's like, we can share. Right. If I could eat, they could eat. Oh. And same with your grandma. Like, she must have been so proud of you. Like, and she's still proud of you. She's still with you. And there's so many things about our grandmothers, like the dreams that they didn't fulfill because of society, because society says, oh, no, women, women stay at home. And, and that's it. Like, they don't they don't go work. They just tend to their husbands. And this machismo culture that exists in Latino you know, society is has always kind of put a hamper on a lot of dreams, our mother's dreams or, you know, our grandmother's dreams. So I just want to say, like, you are your ancestors while the streams like you are doing the yes, things we are that, yes, we are. that are just like you're unst- we're unstoppable like at this point where you know i remember also that night with with obama because i organized an art show and i made people like do like illustrations on like you know vote for you know vote for the people that you know, not necessarily telling them who to vote for, even though I was heavy, heavy on the Democrat side. Right. I was saying like, hey, like we have the opportunity to change the course of history. We have the opportunity to to put someone in office that is gonna not only be historic, but also gonna elevate la cultura, no solamente negra, but La Latina también, because like he appointed a lot of Latinos in his yeah. cabinet, and so a lot of so, there's a lot of a mayor lot of, first, you know, Latina for justice. That was Obama. That was Obama. So that's the thing. Like, there's so many things that we have to do, and recognize that we know that it's a long journey. This advocacy, the the things that we do, the 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 things we do for our community, it's a lot, but we do them because our grandmothers and mothers were the stepping stone because without them, then we wouldn't be able to do these things. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And that's, so I, I just wanted, I wanted to pause you right there because I just felt like so much. I just felt your grandma's presence here in the, in the podcast, just how powerful she was to like migrate and say, you know what? I'm not going to stick around for what Trujillo has going on because that was god awful and and terrible and that another thing that a lot of that wasn't even covered in our history books. none of it was covered in our but history book never no none of that i mean but anyway we'll we'll get back to we, we will have to do an episode two about what's not covered in our history i'm all in for that like <laughs> um but yes let's get back to okay so you're pivoting and you're like listen i want to be a lawyer but i don't no puedo like you know it's difficult for us you know latinos to find funding to ascend into those careers so you're doing these amazing service trips and you're leading you're freaking leading these service trips 
And like I said, it doesn't matter where you start. You just got to keep going. And tell me, how did that how did that come about? Like, where did you like, how did you find out about, you know, these nonprofits? How did you apply? How did you get started with those service trips? And where did you go? Yeah, excellent question. Um, So I was actually because of my scholarships in undergrad, I was actually able to study abroad twice while I was in undergrad. So my sophomore year, I studied abroad in Tanzania, in East Africa. And it was an amazing experience. Like, to be back on the motherland as a Black Latina was un unmatched. Like, I was always fascinated by the continent of Africa. But, you know, because of our history and slavery and, like, it, you don't know, like, what parts we're from. And um, mm-hmm. it just was always a fascinating part of my history but it always felt very unclear because we don't learn about it in school we don't learn about it in textbooks and it's not like you can go on ancestry.com and I can you know what I'm saying like so we're that's a privilege some people can trace back their family three four five six seven eight generations I can't do that my history was erased and so for me to be able to to go and just be there was just a transformative experience. It changed me forever. It was the first time in my life where I felt beautiful. And I was celebrated as a Black woman. I was celebrated as a thicker woman. Like, they were, like, loving all of my girls. Okay, girl. Like, I was like, oh, oh. As they should. As they should. As they should. It was it was amazing. Um, and while I was there, so that was like on the personal level, what it did for me, but from an education standpoint, I was taking courses and learning about like human rights violations and, um, learning about social justice and environmental justice and inequities and all that stuff. Um, and I actually landed an internship because of the director of the program, Um, with the United Nations. And so I did research for the United Nations to help them set up their women's witness protection program because they didn't have a a program in place. So it's like, you know, these women are leaving Rwanda and many of them don't even have the means to leave. If they do testify, they can never go back. They can never go back to Rwanda because of the genocide. That's so scary. And so what systems, what support are we giving these individuals that are testifying to hold the perpetrators accountable, right? So I was doing research of how other witness protection programs do it, where they, like what services they provide, how they provide those services, who they work with, all that cool stuff. And I was like, I'm actually, I'm pretty darn good at this. Um, and then, so that was sophomore year and I was like, I'm really good at researching. Okay, cool. This is, this is great. This is going to be good for law school. Remember, I still didn't know that I wasn't going to be able to afford law school. Then my senior year, I studied abroad in India, another amazing transformative experience. Um, it was so cool to be in a country where people were like, I blended in. 
Um, because especially like in southern India, most people are more trigueñito like us and they have curly hair. So everyone thought I was Indian. It was funny story, funny side story. I thought my host family hated me for the first like three weeks because whenever they would talk about like Indian stuff, like weddings and food and like Indian culture, they would address my two white roommates and they wouldn't like look at me while they were like talking about this. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, did I like do something? Did I offend them? Did I forget to like, did I use the wrong hand? Did I, you know, like I'm freaking out. And then three weeks in, my whole sister's best friend is like, oh, like where, where's your family from? And I said, my family's from the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. And their faces were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then like my whole sister's friend was like wait where in India is that and it was like oh. this moment of like no okay it all makes sense now and, and also I love really spicy food so I would eat the spicy level like their spicy level and like they didn't have to like change how spicy my food was so like they're thinking I'm straight up Indian I'm an NRA I'm a non-resident Indian and it all made sense in that moment of like, oh, you know, but anyways, it was, it was really cool to be somewhere and like be fully embraced and not be treated yeah. as an other. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is it. So I knew in that moment, in my senior year, I was like, I'm going to pursue, I can't do law school, but I'm, I want to travel. I want to. I want to seek out opportunities that help me advocate for people in a different way, that help me build community, that allow me to hold my leadership skills, and where I can travel and really expand my understanding of the world and my place in the world. Because every time I visited a new place, my understanding of myself and my understanding of the world was forever changed in a really positive way. So yeah, then I started looking up nonprofits and I started applying and went down that route. And I'm so glad that I did because the leadership skills that I learned, the interpersonal skills that I learned, the event organizing skills, the program management skills all help me now as an author, you know, so everything happens for a reason. And, you know, my path was not linear it was not what I expected it. Like if you had told, if I were to talk to like 10 year old Alyssa right now and told her what I would have done, I would have looked at her crooked. Like you are not me from the future. But the Like, no, you're lying. But I'm really glad that I, that my path was what it was because. That's so beautiful. I mean, it's, You've lived, I feel like you've lived multiple lives. You know, I think you're right. <laughs> I've had too many careers for like some of my age. <laughs> I love it though, because like your level of empathy and strength, especially when you dealt with the women from Rwanda, like those are some heavy things. Like that's trauma that they're facing and that you're helping them escape these situations. And it honestly, it like, there's so much more that we could do and there's so much more to be done. But again, like one step at a time, right? So I just, I love that a lot of this experience came 
came to you and you did these service trips, like for me, going to Colombia, to Medellin, to this little amazing orphanage called Casa Hogar, every time I do a service trip, it like changes my life. It changes my perspective. I have immense gratitude that I could bring school supplies like during like back to school season i'm the crazy person like buying like a whole box of like notebooks and pencils so we can ship it to columbia and give it to the kids because my grandfather was an orphan i didn't get a chance to really talk to him about that journey of of him like kind of where he's at and being able to have a farm and multiple children and and being really a success story like i've I just feel like there's so many things, especially um, that the United Nations is doing. And I'm actually going to be speaking uh, September 21st at the United what? Nations. What? I'm scared, girl. What? I am. I was a kid in school. I was a kid in school that was like, uh, like, couldn't do book reports or anything like that. But if I were to go back in time and tell my, you know, younger, like 10 year old Yaya self, hey, you're going to be speaking at the United Nations. You'd be like, no way. Like, you're not going to do that. Like, that's crazy. Yeah proud Um, of you that's such a big deal oh my gosh like your ancestors are rooting for you they are so proud of you you know yeah I'm bringing him into the chamber like I'm gonna speak my grandpa's name I'm gonna speak my grandmother's name and I'm gonna make sure that their stories are recorded um the reason why I I've done these service trips to Colombia to the orphanage is because I feel like we can't forget about where we come from. We can't forget about our communities. We can't forget that there are still people in need in the places that our roots are from, you know? And so I think that's the biggest thing I'm carrying into that conversation, making sure that if you can help, even if it's like, you know, for me, like going to Target and spending like $100 or $150 on school supplies to be able to ship it to Colombia, those kids are going to get, you know, school supplies. They're going to be able to learn. They're going to be able to, you know, write in notebooks and, and learn how to read. And all of these things are are so necessary in the world because I feel like people get a little out of touch with, like, keeping up with the Joneses and mira que dan. And, like, we have to, you know, be balling and we always have to do all these things. But for me, what makes me the happiest is being a service to others. Same. I hear I think- that. I see that in you. I see that in you so much. And so with that, let's kind of dive into this like author journey because we could be here all day, girl. I know, I know you you important. She an author, y'all. Like she got she got stuff to do. So let's kind of like dive into how did you approach the children lit world? Because girl, when I approached it, it was not it was not friendly. It was not friendly to us. Um but tell me, how did you get into children's literature and becoming an author? Like, what set yourself? How did you set yourself up? Yeah, excellent question. So fast forward, doing all this cool stuff overseas, giving back to the community, doing the thing that brings me joy, and then it was a new chapter in my life. It was time for me to be a mom. I always wanted to be a mom. I took care of my siblings growing up. I was always la niñera. I was always taking care of other people's kids. Um, I started babysitting when I was 13 years old. Started actually getting paid at 13 as a babysitter. You know, like, Joera on Halloween, I would have, like, 10 kids rolling with me. 
during Halloween. I would be that one. You know what I mean? So um, I raised so many kids growing up that I knew that that was something I wanted to do. And it was hard to step away from my career because I really love the work that I was doing. But, um, you know, my partner and I decided, like, this is the time. Vamos a reto. So I settled down, you know, um, and after, ha- like, while I was actually pregnant, I was building my daughter's library. And I was just super excited to do it. And then that excitement quickly dissipated and turned into rage because I was like, you know, like, and it was one of those things where I was like, when I was a kid, yes, I had Julia Alvarez and I had Sandra Cisneros and I had Jacqueline Woodson, pero that's it. It hasn't changed in 30 years. Are you kidding me? And it has, you know, we have Meg Medina, we have Dana Barra like we have more representation now, fortunately, but you have to like search for us. The algorithm is not in our favor, y'all. Okay, so we need y'all when you read one of our books and you're like, man, this book resonated, man, this book really helped me feel seen, man, this book hit me. Ooh, I need you to tell everybody you know about it. And write a yes. review. In every single platform. Please write them reviews. They're so important because, you know, if you still like look up like um, Latina authors, more options come up, but not nearly as many as as like there should be that come up because um, there we're out there. We're trying, you know, like just to give some statistics for context of the industry um, last year. Of all of the picture books that were published, only 6% were from Latinos. Y'all. 6%. And and here's the thing. That's 6%. One is not enough. Point period dot. Point period punto. Pero that 6% is not getting as much support when it comes to marketing, when it comes to getting their books out in front of the people that they need it. So when we finally get to that point where we are, we finally went through the process, right? Like we wrote the book, we edit it, we edit it some more, we edit it some more, we edit it some more. We join those critique groups, you exchange your work with other writers, you get feedback, you edit it some more. Then you finally get a literary agent after you have polished enough manuscripts and if you're a picture book writer you need to have at least three polished manuscripts before you query an agent you write your query letter which is basically like your cover letter it like giving a summary of who you are and your pitch and then you finally get an agent then your agent gives you some feedback so you edit it some more and then you, you finally send it to editors and then you get a lot of rejections and then you finally get a shimmering yes, right? Like you finally, it's like, oh, that yes from an editor that's like, yes, we want to buy your book, right? You've gone through all that. For me, it was a five-year journey. Mm. Went through all that. And then you're on the other end of it and your books are being banned left and right by crazy conservatives, no offense. 
um, that are threatened by seeing black people on a cover, that are threatened by seeing a language they don't read and they don't understand. Like, Platanos, the fact that Platanos is in the title turns a lot of people off because they're like, I don't know what that is. What You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, we're dealing with book bans. We're dealing with not getting as much marketing support because we're still very much considered niche titles, you know? And it's just like, the struggle is real. It, never, it doesn't end, right? Like getting every step of the journey has been an uphill battle, but I wouldn't do it any other way. And it has been entirely worth it for me because every time I do an author visit, every time I read my book in bookstores, every time I visit a school, every time I read my book in a library, I always leave in tears. And it's happy tears because the excitement that kids, like their joy when they are like, ooh, platanos, maduros, like they're, they can't contain their excitement, you know? And like, I've had kids tell me like, this looks like my abuela, you know? I've had kids tell me like, oh my gosh, I look like Esme. Um, just yesterday, a mama sent me a picture of her kiddo you know how parents, they take those those pictures of the first day of school holding up the board and it's like first day of kindergarten. So it was this little first day of kindergarten. I'm not saying their name to share, like to protect them. Um, and there's a section on that board where it's like you can write where what you want to be when you grow up and your favorite book. And she wrote Platanos or Love. Like... You know, like it was it was one of those author benchmark moments that I'm like, I didn't even know this was a goal that I had. But oh, my God, that's so cool. <laughs> you know, that like this little girl is going into her first day of kindergarten and she's bringing this level of confidence with her to school because her favorite book is a book that centers her culture and her identity. And that just it just meant a lot. Like I've had a lot of really big wins. Um, I had an entire display of Platanos I Love at my local indie at my first event. Um, I spoke at the Free Library of Philadelphia. I spoke at the Enoch Pratt Library in Baltimore. Um, I am delivering a keynote to to a to a bank um, in like during Hispanic Heritage Month and getting paid to do it, which is like, whew, oh my gosh. Um, I've been on I've been on Telemundo, I've been on NBC. I you know, it's it's been a, a year of a lot of growth and wins and um I'm just so incredibly grateful. But every time, you know, the universe keeps surprising me and keeps like being like, "Look, you did it. You did it and you're going to keep doing it because I was not expecting that." Right? Like Every time, like I have this app called Presently and it, it, yeah. you, I write down one thing that I'm grateful for each day. Uh-huh. And I got to tell you, every day I have at least one thing, usually more things to be grateful for because people's love and affection for this, for, for my first book has just been overwhelming in like such a good way. And people just really resonate with it and you know, yeah, it's just been a lot, <laughs> but like in a good way. 
You, I mean, te lo mereces. Te lo mereces, and just know that that's why I have this podcast because I want to amplify your voice. I want to amplify all of your books, um, multiple books that are coming as well in the pipeline, and just know that you are changing the lives of so many young Latino readers that never had anybody that looked like them, that never had a story about their abuela and how they made, how she made platanos with them, teaching about our culture, about not just, you know, in, in the Latin roots, but also the Afro-Latinidad of, like, the cuisine from, I would say, you know, the Caribbean that has influenced us throughout this country. And even though people are fucking, sorry, stupid and idiotic for banning a book about a, a grandmother, a grandmother and their grandchildren that is so innocent and beautiful and has so much representation in it, I feel... To me, I'm going to keep buying your books. Whenever I run into your book, I buy it and I give it to a friend's like child. Because even if it's like, even if it's if like, that's the goal. Like, I, I want to make sure that this and many of your books end up on bestseller lists because they deserve to be there. Our population, the Latino population is growing and they know that and they're scared and they think that you could just con- continue to market to us in english and 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 with the same rehash stories of, of of siempre like no we want new voices we want Alyssa's voice we want voices that are going to uplift and give us a holistic view of who we are as people as a race and not just the negative of the bad things that you see in the news but we're much more than that. We're authors, we're illustrators, we are, you know, women that think about how can we can leave the world just a little better um, when we didn't have these opportunities of seeing people when we were younger. Like, I also read Sandra Cisneros, The House on Mango Street. Like, that was the first book uh, that a Latina author that I was presented. I was like, oh my goodness, like, I was so excited. I was, it was in, like, ninth grade. Yes. And- Book report, girl. I went crazy. I was so excited. I was so happy. We, our our teacher even made us like draw because I went to an art magnet school. She made us even draw a redraw a cover. I was like, okay. I got my friends to pose. I was like, let's do this. Um, but back to what we were saying. Back to what we were saying. Like you reading in those libraries, in those bookstores, in every single place that you are in, it's validating. That we deserve to have this story told. That we have these special moments with our grandparents. And they're not here for a long time. And you literally recorded such a beautiful just moment in time. That when, when I read it for the first time to my nephews, I started bawling. I was like, oh my goodness. I remember when I used to make puñuelos and tostones to my abuela. And like think about wow like how cool would it have been for me to like read it to her right so i just want to say i fucking i love you i love you with all my heart (laughs) this has been such an emotional episode but it's because i feel like 
the representing the representation that you bring is so important and it's so needed and i'm gonna be here to be your cheerleader to keep going you just let me know where to show up obviously i can in in maryland if you're ever in the dc uh, i'm coming girl and i'm gonna hit you up be like girl we gonna we gonna turn together (laughs) i would either make them for you or we're gonna go to a really amazing latin american restaurant and we'll we'll eat some but just know that I'm here and I'm so freaking proud of you. I'm so proud of all of your progress and all of your wins. And que Dios te bendiga con más. Like, que that you are showered with even more wins because you're doing it. And you're doing it not just for yourself, but you're doing it for all the Latina authors that are out there. All the Latina authors that don't get as much funding, that don't get as much, you know, kind of like really marketing dollars in their corner just know that our community is with you and i'm so proud of you and i will continue <laughs> to refer your book to everybody that i know and whenever there's like baby showers or anything like that that i'm invited to i'm bringing your book i'm gonna be like this oh, is book. thank like, you start, start the library and in the dc area shout out to loyalty bookstore loyalty bookstore Bookstore is BIPOC owned queer owned um Asian owned and they I'm pretty sure they have signed copies so when you if you want a signed copy to give to these baby showers check out loyalty (laughs) girl I'm running after our podcast episode I'm going down to DC um but just know that you have a place to stay with me like you yeah like yeah. if you ever want to hit up philly come on up oh i'm gonna hit up but with yeah. you but only yeah. with you <laughs> Pero te, te quiero, like i really want to make sure that um we end this on how our community can support you what are ways how are like what's going on the workshops do you have anything coming up with reading like you know reading to in schools or, or at bookshops like you know where can we leave reviews where are you selling your books right now how can we purchase them oh my gosh all the things yeah so first let's start with the books um my first book platanos are love um is available everywhere it's available on amazon barnes and nobles bookshop but support your local indie if you have a local independent bookstore check if they carry it and if they don't ask them to carry it um so because we have to support small businesses we have to support these independent bookstores so that's number one for the book the other thing for the book is after you buy it or maybe you borrow it from your library that's totally cool too that matters because when the libraries buy our books that counts as a sale so whether you buy it or you rent it out from the library leave a review it's super important for you to leave a review on Amazon, on Goodreads, if you have an account, and on Barnes and Nobles. We need to show them that the community cares about these books so that they continue to carry them and they continue to print them. And also by showing, like, look, this book is selling, just like Julia Alvarez and Sandra Cisneros showed the world that Latinas read and that we care about these stories and that we'll back them with dollars. Mm-hmm. 
that's what we continue to do. Like when you buy my book, we're able to show my publisher, Simon and Schuster, that, hey, you need to bring on more Latina authors to tell our stories because look, the book is selling. We're not a niche market. We're not a, a, a tiny market. We are a huge market with huge buying power, right? So that's that's number one for the books. Number two, I do offer services for authors um (laughs) right it's all about paving the way for the new generation to come in and creating more opportunities so I offer author consultation sessions and then I also I also offer like manuscript critique and query letter critique sessions so for the author consultation sessions I meet you where you're at I'm originally an educator so where you are in your publishing journey whether you have an idea and you haven't put pen to paper yet or you have a manuscript and aren't sure what to do next you don't know how to get an agent um whether you have an agent but you're not sure what's going on Uh, you're not sure where to look for resources maybe you published your book already and it's not selling the way that you wanted it to I will meet you where you're at and talk you through what you should do and create a roadmap with you of your next steps. Um, So that's the the consultation. The manuscript critique is for the, the writer who has already written a manuscript. Maybe they've already shared it with other writers and they want another pair of eyes from someone that's actually in the industry. So if you've written a manuscript and you're like, look, I shared it with everyone that I know, everyone says it's good, but I don't know because I'm not in the industry, that's where I come in and I read your manuscript and I break it down, you know, like I bring out the pink pen, not the red pen, but I I go into the weeds with you on it. All of my clients always come back for more. Um And so those are the services that I provide to help aspiring authors. Um, And then the last part of it is I'm also a speaker. So I do author visits. I go to schools. I go to libraries. um, And I share and read my books. So um, on my website, I have like an author visit page. And it gives you a rundown of what an author visit with me looks like, what I do. I always do a story time and an activity with the kids. I have different activities for different age groups. I do work with K through 12. So for even though it's a picture book, picture books are for everybody. Um, So for the kids for the the kiddo kiddos, you know, like K through three, um, I do a simpler activity where we talk about the book, and then they write like their favorite platano memory or their favorite way of eating platanos or we do something called like the missing page and then they write like what's a page that was missing in the book, especially with like platanos. There's so many ways to eat it and it's a picture book. So I can only incorporate so many ways. So like they'll write another way of eating platanos. Um, Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. The missing page activity goes really well. Um, So I always do a story time. I always do an activity. And then for the older kids, the middle school and high school kids, I have a program where it's like career exploration and I talk about some of what I talked about during this podcast, how I wanted to be an author since I was seven and I didn't know how to do that. And then I talk about my career pathway into 
publication and the skills that I learned along the way and how my path was not linear, um, but that's okay. And then we, I have worksheets and I work with them to talk about what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? Like, right, like talking about what are your interests? What are your skills? And where is that intersection? Where does that lie? Because maybe that's what you should be aiming toward as a profession, right? As opposed to just doing what what I did, doctor or lawyer. Those are my two options, right? Like, what are your options? Um, And another thing that I used to do, I used to work in like career development. So it works really well. I turn on my career development hat on um, and we talk about like, what are you good at? What do you care about? What are you interested in? And how can we turn that into a career, Um, and what are the skills that you already have? What are the skills that you still need? Right. We talk about smart goals. Um, and so again, K through 12, I do author visits and I'm also doing corporate visits. So I do keynotes, inspirational keynotes. Um, so if you're a corporation and you need an inspiring speaker that is going to be interactive and engaging, I do corporate visits. Some of the topics that I talk about in my corporate visits is um, specifically like one that has done really well is talking about my experience as uh, basically like as an EL, as an L, um, as someone who didn't know English, someone who didn't learn how to read until fourth grade and like my path to publication. Um, And then I also talk about tips to own your identity and your authenticity because as a black, as a queer black Latina from Dominican Republic, um, I I struggled a lot with being in spaces authentically. I was constantly code switching. I was constantly trying to change who I was to make other people feel comfortable. And so I talk my audience through how to show up in spaces more authentically like yourself. Um, and I share how when I actually started to do that, that's when I started to see more success. Um, so literally, like if you work for a corporation and you're like, you know, I'm in this ERG, we need a good speaker that's going to be inspirational, hit me up. You have kiddos or, you know, you're you're the cool auntie, you're the cool tia, you're the cool uncle, put me in touch with their school. You're like, you know what, I'm just dipping my toe in this, buy the book. Yeah, that's, I mean, y'all heard. <laughs> Buy the books, book her as a speaker, leave reviews. You don't understand how helpful, because I used to work in the belly of the beast. Leaving a review is going to make sure that the algorithm sees, wow, okay, people are reading this. People are purchasing this. Go ahead and go to your local library. Go to their website. See if you can order her book. Chances are there's a kid in your neighborhood that needs this book. Chances are they're, I mean, our pop, like Latinos are becoming such a huge force in this country that the more we could do to, you know, show, you know, your publisher that we exist and we're not a niche and that we deserve these stories, the more stories like this will you know come out of this so please just continue this cycle of helping writing a review going to your library ordering it there buying it from an indie bookstore like that's so easy nowadays to even like look those up and 
just know that you know Alyssa's here to to also be a speaker in, at your company. So whatever you can do to hook her up and get her in touch with the right people, do it. Because I bet you 100% that that presentation is going to be fire and it's going to be amazing. And especially if you have, you know, kids in when it, when it comes to like the, the children's book reading at schools, like, is there certain areas that you're looking at or is it nationwide? I'm, I'm nationwide. open nationwide. I am local in Philadelphia. So I've done most of my okay. speaking engagements in Philly, New York. And I, you know, I did Baltimore. I haven't done the DC schools yet, but I have news that I can't share yet that's going to bring me to DC. So I'll go let you know, boo, when it's official. Um, So I'm going to be in the DC schools. I'm in the Philly schools. I'm in the New York schools. But if your school wants to bring me, actually, I have an author visit in Arkansas. So that's my first time over there. So looking forward to that for Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, It's a collaboration with a bookstore, amazing bookstore in Arkansas, Mas Libritos, and um, the the Springdale Library. So collaboration is key, right? Like you want to bring an author like me in. um, I do have a speaker fee. It's an investment. Um, And then I would just need my transportation covered. But I have templates that I've created because I come from the nonprofit space that will help you get sponsorship. So I've created like a sponsorship template where all you need to do is plug in your organization's information or your school's information. And then you can use that to fundraise to bring me to your school and to your organization. Uh, Because again, I get it. I went to a Title I school. I didn't meet an author until I was an adult. I'm from the nonprofit space. So I get that resources are tough. Um, so I, you know, I try to meet people where they're at and give them the resources to help them as much as they, as much as possible to help them fundraise, to bring me to their school. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers the question. (laughs) That answers the question perfectly. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias for being here. Thank you for allowing us, you know, into your world. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Um, thank you for your story. Thank you for the stories that you're sharing um through your books and just know that I'm a huge fan. I'm always be a huge fan and I can't wait for you to come to DC. Como te dije, aquí siempre la orden. Uh and with that, can you tell us where to follow you on Instagram or you know, where where are you at? Where can we what can we uh, hit that like? I'm with? everywhere. I'm on Instagram, threads, Twitter, even though it's on fire. Um my handle is a Reynoso Morris, so A-R-E-Y-N-O-S-O, Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S. And then you can also find me on my website as alyssaauthor.com, alyssaauthor.com. I have, I'm always updating my website with events. Um, I have, I'm doing a lot of events in October and in November for the release of my second book, The Bronx is My Home. Um, It's really you know, it's a love letter to the Bronx. So if you're from the Bronx, you're going to, you have to get this book point period punto. But even if you're not from the Bronx, really, it's a book about, it's a book for kids from our community. And it is teaching them that they can become anything, you know? So it's like, whatever they want to be when they grow up, they can aspire to be those things. Um, And so 
I'm going to be all over. I'm going to be in the Bronx. I'm going to be in Philly. I'm going to be in D.C. soon. So definitely check out my website and go to my events tab on my website to see where I'm at because you can get a copy of the book and you can get it signed, which is even cooler. Um, And usually at my events, I have like fun stickers and cute things like that. You can give me a hug, whatever. You know what I mean? Like whatever your vibe is. Oh, I will tackle you. You must be ready because I will tackle you to the crap when I see you. I will welcome it. Vanessa, <laughs> um, thank you all for listening to this episode. If you could just please, you know, not only leave a review for this podcast, my personal ask is that you leave a review for her book after you purchased it and make sure you give her five stars. Know that you know, she's putting in the work. She's doing this. Like, she's paving the way for so many Latina authors to continue to put out our stories because our stories matter and representation matters. And just know that, you know, we here, we're out here, we're doing it. Um, So please support uh, however you can. Uh, and with that, my, you know, you can follow me at Hola Lucia Diaz on Instagram. Uh, I'm on YouTube now and I just really want to make sure that this podcast is you know amplified so if you could please share it with an amiga there's also a newsletter with grants that I send out every month so if you're a Latina business owner or you know of one please make sure you sign up to this newsletter I'm always sharing my resources because our community needs this funding because they need to get the bag but anyway Con eso lo dejo. Gracias, Alessa. Thank you for being such an amazing guest. Like, you made me cry. You made me laugh. You made me just, you made me feel everything. And I knew it was going to be a good episode. I, I felt it in my bones. So just know that I, I love you and I'm so proud of you. Thank you for what you do for our community. Thank you for telling our stories. And with that, we're signing out. Besos. I love you. I love you too. Mil gracias for listening to this episode. Thank you, thank you for your support. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also do me a huge favor. Send this episode to your amiga, anybody that would enjoy listening to this specific episode. And make sure to also leave a review. That will help us get found by more amazing Latinas como tú. Bueno, recuerde, tú eres capaz. You are able to do anything that you set your mind to. You're a badass. And if you need a reminder, make sure to slide into my DMs. It's Hola Lucia Diaz in all platforms. Ciao.